Hello, and welcome to episode 15 of Around the Jewish World with Tom Price. Today we're going to talk about Bulgaria, and I fear that I need to remind you once again that the names of nation-states in Europe today do not necessarily correspond to the historical boundaries of those nation-states. And Bulgaria, if we look at it over the past 3,000 years or so, is a real shapeshifter. It's been bigger, it's been smaller, it's been further east and west, it's been further north and south, and it's hard to keep track of. But basically, for our purposes, Bulgarian history begins during Roman times, when Bulgaria was divided into two provinces, Moesia to the north of the Balkan Mountains and Thrace to the south. It was crossed by the main land route from the west to the Middle East, and there are ruins of Roman towns and settlements all through the country, most extensively at Plovdiv, which was also, not coincidentally, a great center for Jewish history. And since most Americans have never set foot in Bulgaria, I want to try to remind you of where Bulgaria actually is today and help you find it on a map, as it were, maybe the world atlas in your mind. Bulgaria is directly north of Greece. It is west of Turkey and the Black Sea, where it has a long coastline. It is south of Romania, and that border with Romania is mostly formed by the Danube River, and it is to the east of two republics that emerged from the former Yugoslavia, Serbia in the north and Macedonia, which I believe is now called North Macedonia, in the south. Because Bulgaria shares such a long border with Greece, it's safe to say that the Greeks at their imperial peak certainly settled in Bulgaria and created colonies there, but very little exists in the way of written records. It would be a logical extension of Macedonia to the north, um, and certainly when Alexander the Great ruled a third of the known world, his territories must have included a good part of what is today Bulgaria. But for our purposes, the story of modern Bulgaria begins with the Slavic invasions of the Balkan Peninsula in the 6th and 7th centuries CE, during a period when Byzantium was absorbed in prolonged conflict with Persia to the east and could not resist these incursions from the north. Ancient sources refer to two different Slavic tribes north of the Danube. One ended up slightly to the west of modern Bulgaria, as the ancestors of the Serbs and the Croats, while the other moved into the regions which are today Bulgaria, North Macedonia, and Northern Greece. The name Bulgaria actually comes from the Bulgars, a people who are still subject to lots of academic dispute in respect to their origin, namely whether they are originally a Turkic people or an Indo-European people, and also as to their influence on the current population and language of Bulgaria. The Bulgars are first mentioned by that name towards the end of the 5th century CE. At the time, they lived on the steppes to the north of the Black Sea. They were skilled warlike horsemen, like the Turks, and they were governed by Khans and Boyars. The Bulgars were subdued by the 
Avars in the 6th century, but in 635, Khan Kubrat led a successful revolt and organized an independent tribal confederation known as Great Bulgaria. When Kubrat died in 642, the Bulgars were attacked by the Khazars and dispersed. They actually split, according to Byzantine sources, into five different groups, each under one of Kubrat's five sons. The best known of these sons was Asparuch, who moved into Bessarabia, which is today Moldova, then crossed south of the Danube, where his people conquered or expelled all the Slavic tribes living north of the Balkan Mountains. The Byzantine emperor Constantine IV led an army against the Bulgars, but was defeated. And in 681, Byzantium recognized by treaty Bulgarian control over the region between the Balkans and the Danube. This recognition, this treaty, is considered to be the starting point of the Bulgarian state. Asparuch and his successors established their court near modern-day Schumann in Bulgaria. Archaeological evidence suggests that the Bulgars kept their settlements distinct from those of the Slavs, although today we think of the Bulgarians as Slavs, uh, they are probably some mixture of Bulgars and Slavs. They accepted tribute from the Slavs, who they dominated. And one of Asparuk's successors, a guy named Tervel, who reigned from 701 to 718, helped restore Emperor Justinian II to the Byzantine throne and was rewarded with the title of Caesar. But on the whole, relations with Byzantium were largely hostile, and the 8th century was marked by a long series of raids and larger campaigns in which the Byzantine forces were usually victorious. Bulgaria recovered under Khan Krum, one of the best-known Khans who ruled from 803 to 814, annihilated an imperial Byzantine army, took the skull of the emperor, lined it with silver, and transformed it into a drinking cup. Under Khan Krum's successors, Bulgaria enjoyed an extended period of peace with Byzantium and expanded its control over Macedonia and parts of what are now Serbia and Croatia. The 8th and 9th centuries saw the gradual assimilation of the Bulgars by the Slavic majority. This was facilitated by the spread of Christianity, which provided a new basis for a common culture. Tsar Boris I of Bulgaria, who ruled from 852 to 889, was baptized a Christian in 864, at a time when the conflict between the Roman Church and the Eastern Church in Constantinople was becoming more open and more intense. Although Boris was baptized into the Eastern Orthodox Church, he subsequently wavered between Rome and Constantinople, until Constantinople was finally persuaded to grant de facto autonomy to Bulgaria in church affairs. The spread of Christianity in the Balkans was facilitated greatly by the work of two saints named Cyril and Methodius, who invented an alphabet in which to write the Slavic languages, known as Old Church Slavonic or Old Bulgarian, and all of their derivatives. Now, this alphabet was based on Greek, so you will notice if you ever visit Bulgaria, or for that matter, Russia or Serbia, that a lot of the letters look like letters in the Greek alphabet. They also developed a Slavonic liturgy. And when some of them were expelled from certain parts of Central and Eastern Europe, 
which decided to commit to Rome and Roman Catholicism. They resettled in Bulgaria, where they were welcomed by Tsar Boris and undertook the translation of church books and the training of priests. Two saints named Clement and Nahum are credited with preparing more than 3,000 priests at the Religious Educational Center, in effect the first Slavic university, which they established on the shores of Lake Ohrid in what is now Macedonia. Now, I promise to leave this period back in distant history fairly soon, but I want to mention that these battles between paganism and Christianity, between the Eastern Church and the Western Church, were often brutal and seemed to contradict completely the tenets of the religions that they pretended to be fighting for. In 889, Tsar Boris, whose faith was apparently deep and genuine, entered a monastery. His elder son, Vladimir, fell under the influence of the old boyars and attempted to reestablish paganism. When Boris heard about this, he led a coup that overthrew his own son, who was not only deposed, but blinded. Boris then convened a council that confirmed Christianity as the religion of the state, and he moved the administrative capital to the Slavic town of Preslav, now known as Veliki Preslav. The council which he convened conferred the throne on his third son, Simeon, which became a very popular name for Bulgarian kings for the next thousand years or so, and Boris retired permanently to life in the monastery. This first King Simeon was a gifted military leader. His campaigns enormously extended Bulgaria's borders, but ultimately he weakened the country in a futile effort to take Constantinople. When he died, he was master of all the northern Balkans, including the Serbian lands, and he styled himself Tsar of the Bulgars and Autocrat of the Greeks. But his country was near to fatal exhaustion. The capital of Bulgaria was moved to Ohrid after the fall of Preslav to the Byzantines in 971. In a military campaign in 1014, the Byzantine emperor Basil II won a decisive victory over Tsar Samuel, after which he blinded as many as 15,000 prisoners taken in the battle and then sent them back to Bulgaria. For this act, he became known as Basil the Bulgar Slayer. Anyway, the shock of seeing his blinded army return is supposed to have caused Samuel's death, and eventually Bulgaria lost its independence in 1018 and remained subject to Byzantine rule for more than 150 years, until 1185. In 1185, two Bulgarian brothers launched a revolt to throw off Byzantine sovereignty, and it was a a successful revolt. Constantinople recognized Bulgarian independence, and another brother, who was their successor, who ruled from 1197 to 1207, briefly accepted the supremacy of the Roman Catholic Church and received a royal crown from the Pope. But when Baldwin I, the first Latin emperor of Constantinople following the Fourth Crusade, refused him recognition and declared war on Bulgaria, Kalyan had a change of heart. He defeated Baldwin and afterwards reverted to orthodoxy. The Ottoman Turks first entered the Balkans as mercenaries employed by the Byzantine Empire in the 1340s. They returned as invaders in their own right during the following decade. And in some 
odd ways, ultimately, the Ottoman conquest of Bulgaria ultimately saved Bulgaria from disappearing into the dustbins of history. Between 1359 and 1362, Sultan Murad I captured much of Thrace from the Byzantine Empire and captured modern-day Edirne, then known as Adrianopolis, which is at the border between Bulgaria, Greece, and Turkey, and commands the route up into the heartlands of Bulgaria. In 1364, the Turks defeated a crusade sent by Pope Urban V to retake Adrianopolis, but not before the Crusaders had committed so many atrocities against Orthodox Christians that a majority of Bulgarians came to regard Turkish rule as preferable to an alliance with the Roman Catholic West. And very few Americans actually know this the point I'm about to make, but Long before the Ottomans captured Constantinople, which wasn't until 1453, they made vast inroads into the Balkan Peninsula. Sofia in the west was seized in 1382, and Schumann in the east of Bulgaria fell in 1388. A year later, the defeat of the Serbs at the Battle of Kosovo in 1389 sealed the fate of the entire Balkan Peninsula. With the capture of Vidin in 1396, the last remnant of Bulgarian independence disappeared for roughly five centuries, which became known in Bulgarian tradition as the five centuries of the Turkish yoke. And it was approximately 100 years later, following the expulsion of Jews from Spain in 1492, that the Ottoman Turks permitted Jews to resettle in Constantinople and Thessaloniki, and also in many towns around Bulgaria, which acquired at least small Jewish communities in which the newcomers mostly came from Spain, and in many cases mixed with the already existing Jewish populations. So when the first Bulgarian empire was established and recognized in 681, a number of Jews suffering from persecution in the Byzantine Empire came to settle in Bulgaria. At its maximum extent in the 9th century, Bulgaria included at least a dozen cities associated with Jews, although many of those cities are no longer in Bulgaria. Some Jews arrived from the Republic of Ragusa, which was Dubrovnik, others from Italy, and merchants from these lands were allowed to trade in the Second Bulgarian Empire, An influential Tsar named Ivan Alexander married a Jewish woman named Sara, who was renamed Theodora when she converted to Christianity, but she had considerable influence in the court. And she got her husband to create a Tsardom of Vidin in a small town mentioned earlier in this podcast for her son Ivan Shishman, who was also a Jew according to Jewish law, which determines religion according to the mother. The medieval Jewish population of Bulgaria was Romaniot, which means like originally from Roman times until the 14th or 15th century when Ashkenazim from Hungary and other parts of Europe first began to arrive. And of course, in the 15th century, Ashkenazim banished from various parts of Europe began to arrive and contemporary travelers noted that Yiddish could often be heard on the streets of Sofia. 
Beginning in 1494, Sephardic exiles from Spain migrated to Bulgaria via Thessaloniki, Macedonia, Italy, Dubrovnik, and or Bosnia. They settled in already existent Jewish population centers, and at this point in time, Sofia was host to three separate Jewish communities, the Romaniat, the Ashkenazim, and the Sephardim. This would continue until at least 1640, when a single rabbi was appointed for all three groups. The modern nation-state of Bulgaria was formed by the terms of the Treaty of Berlin, which ended the Russo-Turkish War of 1877 to 1878. And incidentally, I learned this when I was serving as a diplomat in Sofia, the Bulgarian National Day, the day on which Bulgaria regained its independence after 500 years under the Turks, was March 3rd, 1878. And March 3rd just happens to be my birthday, so it was an easy date for me to remember. In 1909, the massive and hugely impressive new Sofia synagogue was consecrated in the presidents of Tsar Ferdinand of Bulgaria, as well as ministers and important guests from all over the Jewish world. All right, unfortunately, now comes the dark chapter in Bulgarian Jewish history, which is not as dark as it is in many places in Europe. Uh, We're talking about the period of the Holocaust, and the fact is that some combination of people including Tsar Boris, some of the church leaders in Bulgaria, and ordinary citizens, vehemently opposed the deportation of Bulgarian Jews. And in fact, from Bulgaria proper, no Jews were deported. The number of 48,000 Bulgarian Jews was known to Hitler, yet not one of those was deported or murdered by the Nazis. On the other hand, Bulgaria as an ally of Germany, was occupying some parts of neighboring countries, parts of what was then Yugoslavia and parts of what was then Greece. And Jews who were resident in those areas, those occupied territories, were deported and largely exterminated. And there's a great deal of confusion and debate about who played exactly which role And as an illustration of this, Bulgarian Jews in the U.S. and the Jewish National Fund erected a monument in Israel honoring Tsar Boris in 1998 to thank him for his role in saving Bulgarian Jewry. However, in 2003, barely five years later, a public committee headed by Chief Justice Moshe Beisky decided to remove the memorial because Bulgaria had consented to the delivery of Jews from occupied territories in neighboring countries to the Germans. In spite of Bulgaria's largely sterling record of resistance to Nazi plans to destroy the Jewish community, after the war, the vast majority of the Jewish population of Bulgaria left for Israel, leaving only about a thousand Jews behind. 1,162, according to the most recent census. According to Israeli government statistics, nearly 44,000 people from Bulgaria immigrated to Israel between 1948 and 2006, making Bulgarian Jews the fourth largest group to come from a European country after the Soviet Union, Romania, and Poland. Bulgarian Jews in Israel today are a surprisingly homogeneous group, 
and they are surprisingly well represented in the Knesset, as well as in fields like acting, science, and even one famous male fashion model came from Bulgaria. What surprised me most in doing my research for this podcast was the list of notable Bulgarian Jews, many of whom are really household names. One contemporary 20th century Nobel Prize winning author, Elias Canetti, is from the Bulgarian city of Rusa. Another very prominent Jew in the 16th century was Yosef Karo, who was the author of the Shulchan Aruch, which is the book by which many Orthodox Jews live their lives. Yet another was a Talmudist who worked in Ochrid in the 14th century named Yehuda Lev ben Moshe Moscone. And last but not least were two names who I knew personally when I lived and worked in Bulgaria. One was Solomon Passi, born in 1956, who was a politician and at one point the Minister of Foreign Affairs of Bulgaria. He hails from Plovdiv, the second biggest Jewish city with a fantastically beautiful synagogue. And he, when I was there, was kind of the starry-eyed idealist who ran something called the Atlantic Club, which aimed to move Bulgaria into NATO and the European Union. I have to say both of those objectives seemed completely unrealistic at the time, and this guy, Moni Passi, succeeded in doing both those things. His father, Yitzhak Passi, was also a very famous philosopher, highly respected and awarded, also from Plovdiv, obviously. And the list goes on and on. It's surprising when I think of how small the Jewish community today is in Bulgaria to see the length, the depth, and the richness of this list of famous Bulgarian Jews. So that's it for this episode. I look forward to talking with you again soon.